Welcome to Thriller Premium. Welcome to Thriller Premium. gentlemen boys and girls from around the world today is august 14 2019 welcome to another episode of thriller coin talk what a day what a day we have the bond market signaling concerns about a possible recession with a yield curve inverting to its lowest level since 2007 the warning signal comes amid rising tensions due to the u.s trade war with china and global economic slowdown yeah, there's alarm bells that are flashing right now. And despite the Federal Reserve cutting interest rates last month for the first time since 2008, a sign investors fear that the central bank may not be able to forestall an economic slowdown, as many analysts have noted. And if you don't know, uh, the inverted yield curve reflects concerns from investors that economic headwinds such as a trade war and a slowing global economy may impact future returns and the stock market of course tumbled 800 points or almost 3.1 percent and if you look at germany and europe's largest economy they shrank that's right 0.1 percent today alone and bitcoin went underneath 10k today yeah it's just it's all over the place we got a warning sign today in the form of a government bond. The interest rate on that bond dropped to levels that have been a reliable indicator that a recession is coming. Now, that had investors dumping stock. Look at this. The Dow fell more than 3%. Don Daler is on Wall Street. The symbol of Wall Street might be a steadfast bull, but traders reacted like skittish colts to today's news. A key signal that a recession may well be just around the corner since the Dow plunging 800 points. Diane Swank, chief economist at Grant Thornton, says investors are fleeing stocks for safety in bonds. The easiest way to understand it is that basically long-term rates, anything that's out there that's more than a year or two years or three years or four years, those rates are now lower than short-term rates. It means you're not willing to place a bet on the future. And that's the fear, is that this could actually trigger a credit crisis. But it doesn't mean a recession is imminent. Historically, it could take 18 to 24 months to arrive, if at all. In this case, a recession could come right around the 2020 election. The other factor influencing the market sell-off, a global economic slowdown. China, embroiled in a trade war with the U.S., reported its slowest growth figures since 1992. Japan's economic growth decreased to 1.8 percent. Germany's economy shrank with exports lagging, and much of Europe followed suit, with production plunging the most in three years as its economic expansion cools. 
So we have to look at the bigger picture on this. We have to zoom out. I think there's too too many times we kind of zoom too in on uh, and focus in on what's going on in front of us as opposed to zooming out. So if we, if we look at like everything that's going on, we have the Federal Reserve, the balance sheet reduction, right? We have Goldman Sachs. They just released some information this week that they're calling for two more rate cuts starting in September. That's what they're predicting. Um, and then we have, of course, China tariffs and the devaluing of its currency. Um, and then, of course, we have politics, United States politics, global politics, uh, promoting that the dollar is strong. And then we also have something called the debt game, right? These central banks are going behind the scenes and they're buying each other's debts. We talked about this, uh, I think, about two months ago in, in Third Coin Talk, what's called the, the end of uh, central banks. Go back and listen to the episode. But the vast majority of today is just pure emotion driving the market. Uh, especially when you talk about a global recession. That's, that's that's scary news, right? But how does this relate to Bitcoin? Because that's why you're listening to this right now. You want to know, hey, Car, well, how does this relate to Bitcoin? Well, I've been doing some research today, and I think I think I have an idea of how this relates to Bitcoin. And I'm about to share that right now. So if we zoom out again, we have to take into consideration that there is a growing consensus out there that... And I'm not the I'm not the only person that believes this, but people believe that Bitcoin is uncorrelated in a global recession. Most people are expecting Bitcoin to do well. This is what people say. This doesn't mean this to be truth, but this is a growing consensus out there that Bitcoin was born in a recession and will thrive in it. This is what the vast majority of the crypto space believes. But if you take into consideration the global financial crisis, like in 2008, right, that level, like what it seems like is going on, you know, this year or next year, people will be strapped for cash because that's how it was in 2008. People were strapped for money. Uh, You had uh, retail investors um, currently right now in this space holding the vast majority of Bitcoin. So what's going to happen when a recession hits, like a global financial crisis like it like happened in 2008? Well, people are going to be strapped for cash, right? So short term, definitely Bitcoin is going down predominantly because you'll have people that need to withdraw money and then also the market trades down. So, of course, it becomes more fearful, just like today. We had Bitcoin go from 11.5, I believe it was, crash down underneath underneath 11 continue to go down it's just a major flash crash happened today total of 20 billion just wiped from the global market cap right so people get fearful people will start selling their bitcoin towards cash especially retail traders and that's the majority of this whole crypto market but this is what happens in the initial period right because what happens initially is a domino effect and people will get scared and they'll maybe think, oh, maybe it's not a store of value, you know, maybe they'll start converting and it just ends up becoming, okay, well, I guess it's not a store of value. So it just starts to become a self-fulfilling prophecy at, at that point. Right. And there's nothing you can do about that. It's just, it's just the, the way emotion reacts to a market like that. But you got to also look at what the market looks like before a recession happens. So today, for example, we had uh, Bitcoin fall down close to $2,000 today, right? And this is just on the, on the, I guess I wouldn't call it the eve, but on the announcement that there is going to be recession, right? So this, it fell off, right? If, if the market reacted and it fell off, 
And this is what happened before a recession happens. So in essence, it's really a matter of risk mitigation. Okay, take a listen to Sheba Joffrey. She's with Goldman Sachs. I know, I know what you're thinking, but she's an analyst there and she understands human behavior and how emotion plays in to how people feel markets psychology works. I love this quote by Keynes. The market can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. <laughs> there are really two problems with the efficient market hypothesis. Firstly, the fact that information is disseminated equally to every market participant. And secondly, most importantly, that you and I will process that information in a similar rational manner, the same every time. So we'll tackle the first problem. The onset of computers, the internet, access to information, all of that has helped to improve the speed by which we access information. And that's efficiency enhancement, no doubt about it. But on the contrary, technology doesn't always make markets more rational. In fact, I would argue that while traditional inefficiencies of the past, such as delays in access to information, are diminishing, we're getting new types of inefficiencies. So let me give an example. We didn't have the internet 30 years ago. Now we have probably far too many sources of information. Mm -hmm. These provide contradictory truths, unreliable data points, noise. And as a result, information is asymmetrical and imperfect. Not to mention there's a number of structural constraints that impact agents and create pockets of inefficiencies. And that can be as basic as your accounting constraints, regulations on when investors need to close their books at the end of the month or at the end of the quarter or at the end of the year. And they will tend to trigger outsized moves. People optimizing for different time horizons, different mandates, liquidity constraints, the list goes on. And the way that I see it, I mean, if we kind of turn the, the question on its head, there are agents and then there's aggregates of those agents. So the question isn't whether the agents are rational. I have no doubt that you and I are rational human beings. The question is really whether or not the aggregates of those agents, the marketplace itself, is irrational. In my opinion, the mere fact that we have the existence of bubbles indicates that markets are still run by emotions, fear, greed, and hope. And just to name a few, we, we had the dot-com bubble, we had housing crisis, silver bubble, Asian financial crisis, and just last year, Bitcoin, right? Mm -hmm. And there are a number of reasons why a bubble can develop. In essence, it's a narrative. Whether it's rational or irrational doesn't matter. It triggers a human and machine-driven reaction, which will impact the way that someone looks at their trading decisions. And the other thing that I would mention about bubbles, which a lot of times when people have this discussion, they don't really bring up this topic, is that... At the onset of a bubble, the perfectly rational thing to do is to trade the bubble, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just the, the trick is to not stay in it longer yeah. <laughs> than you need to. Greater right? fool theory, Yeah, right? exactly. But let's be honest. In hindsight, we would have all wanted to buy Bitcoin in 2015, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say some of the questions that people are asking. We've been in a 30-year bond market rally. Two-year yields have gone from 7% to less than 2% over the course of the past 10 years, less than 10 years. We all know that it can't go that much more than zero. Clients are wanting to know what that means for bonds, what that means for equities, what that means for the macro environment. And on top of that, we're seeing this stark breakdown in correlations. Bonds have rallied in an almost straight line since October of last year, and S&P dropped 20% from October to December, 25% rally from December through to April. 
So your classic economics textbook will tell you that higher bonds mean lower yields and therefore easy money, which should stimulate the economy. Mm -hmm. But we've seen a number of instances this past few years where those standard relationships have broken down. So in contrast, technical analysis focuses less on those equilibrium theories and more on the context of the market and the aggregation of those market psychologies. I'd say one thing people aren't asking about, which I think is interesting, is Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, a year and a half ago, was probably the most popular. Everyone topic. was asking. About Everyone that, was asking about it. I got, I've got one or two clients. You guys know who you are, but <laughs> well, it's back a little bit right now. So at least uh, I don't know if it's a bubble, but it's back. And that was recorded about a month ago. So she was pretty right on about the whole market sentiment. Pretty right on about bonds, equities. Um, so today, today, exactly today, is that trial run, right? I think it's really going to depend on the nature of this next recession that we have this trial run and we just did and the market reacted and now Bitcoin is at 97.72 at the recording of this podcast. And I think this is psychologically a good idea. <laughs> In a way, you got to look at it like this. If if Bitcoin was at 3000 and, and this happened, what then happens to Bitcoin? Does it go back to zero? Right. Who, who knows? Right. But I will I will say if, if it's Bitcoin is at a higher threshold, 18,000, of course, well, people are going to take, you know, psychologically, people will take money off the table. They just will. But one thing that, that kind of probably scares me out of everything is the reality of the price of electricity minus, uh, minus the cost of the whole mining system, because you got to look, you got to think about it like. This whole mining ecosystem that exists, um, if Bitcoin falls in value and if these miners aren't um, able to operate at lower costs, um, there increases a chance of a 51% attack, which could increase the chances of an even major downturn. But most miners out there do dedicate their hash power toward Bitcoin because at the end of the day, Bitcoin is a self-fulfilling prophecy onto itself. People believe the value is going to go up over time, so people will continue to dedicate their hash power towards it. But if a global recession happens, there should be miners falling off. They just can't sustain, right? What happened when we had the last <laughs> Great Depression? Well, people freaked out, pulled money from banks, and there was you know new laws in place, you know, and people were lined up at banks and, and, and the government learned a great deal from that. Uh, they, they learned that the FDIC actually had to guarantee their deposits up to $250,000. So if we look at crypto and this is all new because at the end of the day, like this has never been Bitcoin and other crypto assets have never been battle tested like this. They just even though we feel like they're very important. But if we zoom out, we zoom out and we look at a macro level, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency has ever been battle tested this hard. Uh, this next recession, this next global recession, I should say, is going to be Bitcoin's first big battle test. Uh, it, it's going to be big. And make no mistake, we are going to see a drop in price. I think if you listen to anybody that says that's not going to happen, gosh, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> right. But I'd rather... I'd rather be smart about it and look at it from a 
a nuanced approach and, and a zoomed out approach and look at the whole kind of economics behind it. Because if uh, everybody's pulling money and if they're pulling money from their exchanges, you know, what deposit ratio do those exchanges hold? You know, that's something that we don't even talk about, right? Uh, I think um, Trace Mayer had said, let's let's have proof of keys day, right? This past January, let's pull all of our Bitcoin off of those exchanges that he wanted to do that yearly, right? I don't think it, I think we had a, a kind of a shakeup, but I don't think it got to a point to where we found out what the deposit ratio for some of the exchanges were. I, we know they have cold storage. We hope they do, right? Most of these, they do, at least the regulated ones in the United States. But if we suddenly start pulling all of our crypto from these large exchanges, what happens then? Do they have enough to cover all retail investors? That's another thing you got to think about, right? So there's this whole exchange level of it. There's this whole minor level of it because mining plays a big impact, especially if miners start falling off because they couldn't afford the prices with electricity. And that increases the chances of 51% attack on Bitcoin's blockchain, which increases the chances of a big downturn even more. You have the price and it's self-fulfilling prophecy. Do people think it's a store value or it doesn't? There's a lot of what ifs. And one thing that we can we know for certain is that Bitcoin hasn't been battle tested. But this time we will find out. We will find out just how battle tested it is. OK, I hope that's enough information for you. In regards to Bitcoin and the next recession, I, I really wanted to make sure that we've provided some kind of value today because um, I really was was wondering to myself. I, I didn't see this talk out there. I didn't see people talking about this or I didn't see people asking these type of questions. We need to start that discussion now so we can understand as a crypto culture and as a, a crypto um economy right and, and, and this industry we need to find out like what is all of these variables and what impact does it likely have um, for us holding the vast majority of assets okay with that let's go ahead and jump into coin talk that's right let's do it it is time gentlemen it's time for coin talk but before we jump into that let's go ahead and talk about a couple things here in the middle of our show first off i want to say thank you for everybody who listens to this i appreciate you we're going to release this uh, episode as a free episode for the month because i think this is a very important topic that everybody should hear about so if you're subscribed to the newsletter you're getting a sneak preview of what it's like to have it uh three times a week so make sure you um, tell your friends and have them sign up too. Okay, I uh, also want to mention the audiobook. So I am working on that. That actually happened this past weekend. I have the, uh, the skeleton structure of it, and it actually looks pretty phenomenal. <laughs> There's going to be 10, uh, I guess, chapters, you would say, 10 chapters, and we're going to put them together, and then we're going to add a lot of 
you know, um, information behind that and kind of do some fact checking on it and hopefully have that out here in about another week or so. It actually is a bigger project than I first anticipated. I was thinking, okay, I'm just gonna put this together here in about a day and it'll be done. But no, it's actually, it actually takes a little longer than that. Uh, it's not like creating a podcast apparently. Uh, it's, a little, it's a little more difficult. But the good thing is we have a lot of content uh, from that. So we're gonna put that together and make that an audiobook. I'm still trying to decide like exactly how I wanna distribute it. I wanna do it through the newsletter. Um, and I want to give it out to every single one of y'all for free. Um, but I'm trying to figure out like the actual distribution part of it and whether we want to use like an app um, or if we want to just release it inside the newsletter, newsletter with a download link or if we want to use something else entirely. Let me know y'all's thoughts or comments. I've been kind of looking at different um, distribution um, mechanisms out there that um, allow you to play audiobooks, you know, in any kind of uh, phone or any kind of uh, system. So uh, let me know what you think. If you think a download is just good enough, then let me know, I'll, I'll do that. Or if you think we should try a new application, then let me know, I'll try that too. But yeah, I'm trying to get that bearing down too as well. But once we get all that figured out, we'll, we'll release it and uh, it'll be cool. Hopefully we'll have that done here. I'm gonna try to go another couple days here this weekend to get that done. So hopefully we'll have it done here in the short term, maybe another week or so, but I'll let y'all know. Okay, I think that's all I got. That's all I wanted to discuss. And um, yeah, it's going to be an exciting coin talk. <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of scared and kind of uh, worried to kind of look through the whole thing and just kind of see the aftermath of what it was. It was a red day. But uh, if there's anything we learned on red days, we got to got to roll a disclaimer because if we don't roll the disclaimer, then like I said, nobody will know. So with that, Roll the disclaimer. Remember, Thriller Podcast does not give financial advice. He cannot tell the future. Even if he thinks he can, he is just some dude trying to save the world one Satoshi at a time. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for coin talk that's right this is what you tune in for so before we start off this uh, epic coin talk that will be remembered from years on forward <laughs> it'll be known as the e before global recession day uh we gotta we gotta put on our our helmets we gotta load up we gotta lock and load because we got a red alert All right, so yeah, there's blood on the streets. It's a bloody, 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 bloody Wednesday, as they would say. Uh, I got a coin market cap of $257 billion. We're down a total of $43 billion today. Just pulled, just just wiped off. Uh, that's that's not including the $20 billion from these past two days on Monday and Tuesday. So that's $60 billion in less than a week. Um, Bitcoin dominance at 68.2%. We have uh, Bitcoin at $9,800 right now, down 7% on the day. Got Ethereum at $182, down 12% on the day. We have XRP at $26, $26, yeah, right, 26 cents, down 12%. We got Bitcoin Cash at $306, down 12%. 12%. We got uh, Litecoin at $74, down 12%. Um, what am I thinking right now? Uh, well, I'm still, I'm still looking at my same 
resistance levels like because I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to zoom out and think about this long term i'm not trying to predict anything because i think that gets you in trouble uh, especially when there's a global recession breathing down your neck but um i would say is i'm looking at these same thresholds i i, I said it before when we hit that 12 7 range i was like okay i'm looking at 12 2 11 9 and we fall below that then i'm looking at 11 2 which i've been setting those stop losses for uh, sold at 11.2. And then at that point I was waiting, okay, we're going to go lower. And for a while there we're at 10.8 and I was like, oh, maybe we're going to stay in this kind of range, 10.5 and, and 10.8. And no, it, it, it almost tanked. <laughs> it tanked, uh, you know, it went, it went to 10, 10,000 or just below 10,000 today, this morning. And then it climbed back up to 10.2. At that point I realized, okay, I made a, I made a good, made a good, Made a good day. I, I sold where I needed to sell, and then I re- quickly realized, like, if we get below this ninety nine, ninety eight hundred dollar level, then at that point it's gonna go back down at ninety two, and if we go back ninety two, then of course I'm looking at seven eight, eight thousand dollar levels. So I'm just playing the resistance levels right now, to be honest with you. And this is why I have my auto stack, like I've been saying for the longest time. This is why I have my little trading stack that I do, right? And we've gone over that in the past episodes. Go back and listen to them. So this is what I'm trying to say. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this right now at Bitcoin. I'm wondering, hey, where is this going to you know, stop at? I'm hoping it stops at 92. But if we kind of stay in this range here at, at uh, between this 92 and $9,800 level leading into the weekend. I will say for Ethereum, being $182 right now for Ethereum, and I'm not an ETH head, but if I, if I was, I'd be pretty bullish right now because next week is Web3. That's right. Big conference for Ethereum, for Cosmos, for a lot of big blockchain ecosystems out there going to be headed over there. And we're going to see some really good, you know, interesting news technological advancements. Hopefully, um, we're going to see a lot of cool stuff coming out of there next week. It's going to be a lot of fun to cover. And what I'm looking at is that price right there of Ethereum at $182, knowing that the uh, CFTC has said it's a commodity at this point. So what am I buying right now? I'm buying Bitcoin. I'm buying Ethereum right now. I bought some Ethereum today. I bought some Bitcoin today. I feel good. I feel good, right? I don't want to miss these these lows, right? I don't want to miss these lows. And I I'm, have my trading stack that I'm kind of waiting to see when to jump in. I don't mind, if I sell it at 11.2, I don't mind jumping back in at 10.5. Like, I just need confirmation of it, like, right? I, I, I don't mind if it gets up to 10.2, 10.5, and then I jump back in. I'm comfortable jumping back in, you know, if it's at that range. But I don't want to get into early if it's only been 24 hours. We know how chopped up you can get when Bitcoin goes between, you know, the 98 to $9,200 range for a little bit. It goes sideways and then nothing happens, doesn't move up. And then you're stuck there because, you know, it goes, it falls back down. So what am I looking at? I'm looking at resistance levels and I'm trying to figure out exactly which way the pendulum is swinging. I'm listening to a lot of crypto Twitter out there because I'm trying to get the, the sentiment out there. And a lot of people right now are wondering what this means uh, you know, to Bitcoin and, and why it went down all at once and why it took down the rest of the market. you know. Um, so I'm not trying to play that game when it comes to my trading stack. I'm more of like, where do I need to be? What positions do I need to get in? And where exactly am I? comfortable getting back in at. I think for me, comfortably, I would love it to see it fall back fall back down to 92. If it falls back down to 92, I would get back in 
you know, I would buy in 92. And even if it fell below 9,000, I would still buy more Bitcoin. I wouldn't sell, I would buy more Bitcoin. And um, continuously do that, buy more Bitcoin, buy more Ethereum. And then I think by this time next week at Web3, I think we'll see everything kind of go back up, at least some of the alts, at least I believe Ethereum, Cosmos, some other ones. But the vast majority of everything just kind of tanked today. I think the only thing that's up 22% uh, is Icon, <laughs> which is which is just funny. Uh, we have Clipper Coin, which is an unknown cryptocurrency, Paxos Standard, unknown, Komodo. Uh, Leo token is actually up you know, 1% today at $1.23. But what's what's interesting is you have DAI, which was uh, interesting. If you don't know what DAI, DAI is a Ethereum stable coin and it's pegged at a dollar. It didn't skip a beat and neither did Tether. So I think I think we found out where a vast majority of some of this money is going into, right? And it's probably going into DAI. It's probably going into Tether, you know, and uh, this is what we're seeing here. But, you know, if, if, this, if this didn't happen, um, and, and, you know, it's kind of one of those things like a, a lot of people in the space have been bearish this entire time. Some of the most notable traders in the space, some of the most notable analysts, they, they were all expecting us to get uh, below, you know, this $9,200 or $9,800 level. They Everybody wanted to retest $78,000, 8000 Everybody has a fascination with that level for some reason. Everybody wants to retest that $7,800 level. So at the, at the end of the day, it, it almost becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy that the market is like saying, we have to go back here. We have to retest here to have a healthy, you know, bull market and whatever. I agree, whatever they think. But at the end of the day, it ends up becoming just kind of the self-fulfilling thing. And market sentiment does happen to translate like that on the charts. And lo and behold, we have this bearish scenario where, you know, <laughs> we have people out there predicting that the next global recession is going to is around the corner. So what a better time than to dump Bitcoin than now. So it it's weird how it all works that way, but it, it does in, in a weird way. But I'm still looking at a lot of stuff. And what would really scare me is if we have BAC not launching this year. If BAC came out and said, oh, by the way, we're not launching this year. If, if the ETF uh, here in October said, oh, denied, it's not getting lot, Then I would be like, oh, crap, then we're really going to go down. Right. But let's hope we stay above the $7,800 level. Let's hope we don't fall below 7, 7K, 8K. Let's hope, let's hope, let's hope. If we do, then it's a whole new ball game and we have to zoom out and reassess. But long term, I think Bitcoin is an undervalued asset because if this is going to turn into what most and the majority of people believe it is, which is another commodity, then we're looking at possibly in the trillion, two trillions, right? So I'm taking it one day at a time, one week at a time, one month at a time. Usually August is a bullish month for us in crypto. Hasn't been. Well, we don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But right now, it's not looking very bullish. But at the same time, it's still good to zoom out and realize that, hey, could be worse. <laughs> we could be back at 3000 right? And even then, that's not bad. So this is all more time to purchase more Bitcoin, to purchase more Ethereum, to purchase more alts you think, you personally think will we'll, we'll, you know, come into fruition. Do I have some alts that I want to that I want to reinvest more on? Absolutely. Am I going to do it right now? Absolutely not. I'm going to wait until the verdict's out for a lot of this stuff. And that's going to take, you know, the rest of this weekend into next week for Web3 and see what happens there. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting week ahead.
And I think that's all I got for Coin Mark Cap. I don't really uh, think there's anything else to cover here. Uh, I just wanted to make sure that you guys knew what levels to look out for and when to when to get in, when to get out. Um, but we'll see. It's going to be an interesting weekend. Okay, with that, let's get on to the end of the show. Through Coin Talk. It's Dunsies. Thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate you. We got a thriller crypto coming out tomorrow. And I just want to say, when it comes to everybody's advice on what to do, you really got to follow 
two things, price targets and timeframes, right? No one can predict the future long-term. You can either bet on it for a certain price that you want to reach or on a certain time frame you want to hold. Those are the only two really things you can do. So, bye Bitcoin, see the world, see you tomorrow. This is the end of the show. You have been listening to Thriller Podcast with R. Gonzalez. Remember, Thriller Podcast is not financial advice. Everything Carr said likely won't come true. It is up to you. Now go, do your own research. Listen to other dudes that start their name with crypto, and not Carr. And remember, buy Bitcoin and save the world. One Satoshi at a time.